NFTs, the future, it's here. But what if we told you that you haven't been told the whole truth? The game is about to change. The voice of the people and the voice of the NFT community collide, bringing you a fresh perspective on NFTs unlike anything you've ever heard before. Hop on this rocket ship with Sean and Vaughn to the moon and hold on tight. Episode number 47 of Shot to the Moon, of course. We're here to talk all things NFTs, and I'm here to talk about the guy that you want to hear from. Of course, that's Vaughn Schiller. You can follow him on Twitter, at Steven underscore show. He's an expert. He's a wizard. He's a friend. And I'll tell you this. He has a lot to say about the NFT space and what Vaughn, the sky is finally falling. We've talked about this before. It actually happened. Are we grabbing an umbrella? I think that everybody has zero conviction. And I've never been more certain about this take. Over the past, I've been like, okay, here's projects that I like. And I there is ones that I very much discern the aspect of, hey, I'm buying this because I think people are going to want this one more than me. And then ones that I'm like, hey... I actually really, really like the idea, the concept, and I want to speculate. Listen, this space is about speculation and thinking, hey, what's going to come to fruition? Who's going to do what? And, you know, what's going to be king? And initially, back in the day when I minted Bored Apes, I was like, hey, you know what? There's just something about this. And it was a vibe. And it was the same time that I was kind of exiting Top Shot and thought, hey, you know what? Like, let's pick up a few of these because, you know, it wasn't insanely expensive at the time, but I just had kind of like an intuition for it and move along here. And obviously board apes have turned out to be this great play, but if you've had conviction in gutter cats, if you've had conviction in cool cats, if you've had conviction in other things and been here for a little bit, I think you're doing okay. Obviously there's been ones that haven't necessarily panned out, but now we're seeing the time of everybody's feeling a little bit shaky, but at the same time, one thing you have to remember is that people that got in on these mint prices for less than $300 are now up 10, 20, 30, hell, even multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're like, okay, do I still have this conviction? Do I like the way that it's going? And everybody's making these judgments as we go. Obviously, if you're looking at the market, there was a huge deep pegging for uh, UST with the Terra Luna system. That, <laughs> I think, kind of completely crashed the market. And we have an interview coming up here with Boomer where we talk about it slightly and kind of the whole bearish sentiment. But for me, I mean, I, I'm holding the stuff. Like, I, I did end up selling my second ape. So I'm down to one ape. I know, huge, huge, huge. But one of the reasons for that was that I'm looking at the space and I have a ton of conviction in some of these different things. Certain projects that have had conviction in haven't necessarily turned out or they haven't matured for that convicting factor. If you're somebody who bought into Sandbox, which here at Shot to the Moon, we did. We haven't been able to use that at all, right? Like we have the build, we have the plot of land, but that conviction, that purchase has never really come to fruition yet. Everybody's having all these thoughts. Emotions are running extremely high. We have problems with Azuki. We have the other side drop not going well. We have the U.S. government saying, hey, we might regulate stable coins and nobody knows what's going on. But God damn it, is it ever entertaining? Uh, I know one thing. I didn't sell anything. 
I didn't sell my mutant. I didn't sell my wolf. We're, wait, yo, listen. You talk about conviction, baby. We're here. I'm not. I mean, is it warranted? We're about to talk about this here in a little bit again with Boomer. But I want to ask you, the FUD, is it warranted? Is the FUD warranted? Well, so here's the thing is I think a lot of people are uncertain about what's going to happen with the NFT space because they're realizing a lot of things that I've kind of said before where, you know, like with Yuga, hey, you know, they've dropped us this serum, which we able to get like a different rendition of our ape. They dropped us this token, which ended up, you know, being widely successful. But ultimately, we've been able to buy merchandise with it, which is what we've had before and then buy plots in this metaverse that we don't really have a whole lot of details for right now. And so when you look at kind of like innovation and wild things, yes, absolutely. We've had, you know, a crazy, crazy experience over the past year with the values, with the celebrities onboarding, with everything else. But then it kind of comes into question of what's culturally relevant and then what's technologically relevant and what's going to kind of push through the top here. And so when you're thinking of technology, realistically, that's crypto. Which one's going to be here to stay? Is the future going to be interoperable? We really have no idea. When people look at these different projects and they're saying, hey, we're valuing this at you know thirty to $50,000, what have we gotten for that to be the case? And obviously, we haven't really seen a decoupling between NFTs and crypto as a whole. But I think what's going to happen over the next little bit here is people are going to be more convicted in what they buy. We might see a little bit of a slowing in volume for certain projects, but also the ones that do have rather large announcements. I think the sky's the limit for it. I agree. I want to talk to Boomer. I want to get his answers. We're going to very literally ask, is the sky falling to him? And we're going to hear that reaction to it. Hello and welcome. We got another episode rocking with you today, and we're doing something a little bit different where we're wanting to bring in a guest. And instead of necessarily talking about a project with that guest, we're wanting to talk about kind of like the state of the Web3 and NFT space. As over the past couple of days, we've seen extreme bear cases across the board. We've seen massive dips as well. Seems to be a little bit recovering as well. And it's going to be kind of all over the place with this conversation and really kind of have an open forum. For that guest, we have Boomer, who is a founder of Land Vault and Life Force Games as well. So, Boomer, just before we get into it, do you want to give a little bit of a background for you, for anyone that doesn't know what uh, Land Vault or Life Force Games is? Yeah, I'm a dude that got lucky minting uh, 19 board apes and just rolled in. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks for, for first having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Land Vault is one of the largest, if not the largest, metaverse developer. We primarily work in sandbox and NFT worlds, but have built in crypto voxels and Nifty Island, uh, which I'm a big fan of, um, as well as a bunch of others. Currently have 92 people on our team and uh, growing, I feel like, every day. And then Life Force Games is our company that we spun up and uh, we're fortunate enough to raise uh, $5 million. Uh, We just announced that uh, about a month or so ago. We've been working on it since January in stealth, which has been fantastic uh, to work in stealth. But we are going to have a series of games coming out over the next three to four years with a really fun virtual world attached and uh, connecting all the the games together um, in a really fun way. It's the player first. 
So I won't go too much into detail there. Want everyone to be really surprised as we're pushing some new content out and um, yeah, excited to be here. Love it. So the (laughs) state of crypto, holy sheesh. It's been a bumpy little ride here. I mean, we've kind of seen a flash crash. We had the entire situation that was going on with UST and Terra Luna. That's crypto. And then there's NFTs. The correlation between NFTs and crypto, a lot of us say, oh, well, if crypto goes down, well, NFTs are going to go up. Do you agree with that kind of sentiment or are NFTs and crypto really completely separate beasts of their own? I really think that we saw that um, as the the movements were sharply down, that a lot of things correlated, right? All the, the correlations went to one and uh, everything traded down. I kind of use, I think, the apex predator of the space, which is the board apes, as the the guiding tracker of what the NFTs did. Um, they, one, sucked out a ton of liquidity with the others, a lot of the smaller and middle tier projects. But when we saw the crypto bloodbath take place and off and ETH selling off and Terra and, and UST just getting, and Luna and UST just getting uh, crushed, we saw people literally accepting 10, 15 ETH under floor to move their apes. Like people were scared and, and that's what the markets are. They're, it's made up of, of humans and uh, they have emotions. Uh, they do a flight to safety and that was a flight to, to, to stable, to get out of the NFTs. Does that mean that the sky is falling and that NFTs are dead and, and you know, this, uh, what do we knew for the last uh, year plus is, is done. It's over. Absolutely not. But it means that it showed vulnerability within the space. Uh, the nerd in me references kind of in my head here, the, the time Tony Stark smacked Thanos in the face and he, you know, shows it and goes all that for a drop of blood. And that reference to me is showing in the NFT space that we are very, very vulnerable. Yes, there are liquid JPEGs. Yes, we joke about it all the time. But now everyone actually saw that the joke is real and learned that floor doesn't mean the lowest asking price. Floor is what it's actually going to trade at. And when people got scared, they started smashing those offers that were 10, 15% below floor just to get out and go to safety. Even if that was an ETH and they didn't move it to stable they viewed ETH as something more secure than the NFTs. I want to talk about that fear with you, Boomer. How justified, how warranted you personally thought that it was. Obviously, everybody has their own opinion. Do you think that it was warranted? Do you think that it was justified? And and kind of what was your reaction to the quote unquote sky is falling in the NFT space? So this is a, a loaded question because my view is different than your view and different than than Schiller's view. And all of our views are very different than each person's that's listening to this because we're all in a different financial standpoint. To me, I knew that the markets were moving up very quickly. Um, I decided to take some off the table and, you know, people can sell shame me all they'd like, but I moved some of that to ETH. I moved some of that to stables as we progressed over the the last few months, I was very fortunate to be in a position that I could do that. Did I know the top was coming? Did I know that this was going to get, you know, 
absolutely obliterated in basically a day. Absolutely not. Like my crystal ball is broken in the corner. It don't work. But personally, when I looked at my situation and what, what I'm buying, what I'm doing, I knew that there was some that I needed to take off the table. A lot of people in the space, they haven't taken money off the table. They've had diamond hands for every single thing that they've purchased. And that's totally cool if that's what they want to do. And sometimes we see bigger wallets, you know, buy and sell out of projects. And I'm not talking like the shifty characters that'll tweet, hey, this is the greatest project ever, and then have something listed for sale. I think that's uh, a bit slimy. I'm more just talking about everyday people that are buying and selling. When they rolled everything back into more NFTs, they just kept putting risk on. For them, it was probably very justifiable because they were very overexposed. If you weren't overexposed, if you just started buying NFTs in the last couple months and you haven't YOLO'd half your net worth into this, you probably were confused and that's totally fine. I think all of us are confused at some level of what's actually occurring. But for me to say, yeah, I, I wasn't really worried because I, I truthfully wasn't um, is very different than someone else that is very over leveraged or has way too much of their net worth wrapped up into monkey JPEGs. So you're not really nervous or anything right now. You're just vibing, you know, you're comfortable. But I think for the space and, you know, potentially you included, we've had kind of this, oh, crap, like, hold on. What are we actually holding? Do we have conviction and stuff? And I'm curious, like, is there a chance for new projects right now to mint successfully? We've seen a lot of ones in the past. Obviously, the entire year we've been covering different NFT drops. But now it feels all of a sudden that people are like, you know, I didn't know who the founders are. I didn't know that I actually have conviction in this. I need to, you know, it's got to be the right price, yada, yada. And I feel and, and this might just be kind of like a vibe check. I mean, this isn't like factual by any means. But from the few conversations I've had since, you know, we've had a little bit of a downturn here. It seems that people are very, very nervous about minting right now. If you're a new project right now, what are what are you doing? Uh, I'm asking people to be different. I don't want the 4,000th uh, board ape derivative. Um, uh, we have plenty of derivatives, even, you know, quote unquote, some near blue term or, blue, or near blue chip or blue chip uh, projects are, are essentially clones of other projects. I want innovation. That's how we move forward. So if, if a project is innovating and doing something totally different, that project should mint and that project will likely get rewarded through the market. Even if we are in a, a short downturn. Um, but I look at a long-term perspective on this stuff. I know like a week is, is several months in real life. A week in, in NFT land is very, very different. But if you take out a 12, 24, 36 month viewpoint, will some of these projects go down to probably zero? Yes. Will everything? No. The technology that we are right now just looking as a, a jpeg i mean we're, we're basically looking at the nft technology and we're, we're explaining it with crayons there's so much more that can be done with this stuff we've just started scratching the surface from the gaming side on the nfts which is where i'm primarily building and really excited about we're just scratching the surface and by that i mean it's by this avatar by these wearables by this land you know, before setting foot into the game that's being built, because most of the time the game isn't built. It doesn't even have a, a GDD or game design doc. 
and they're winging it by selling stuff early and trying to raise a bunch of capital to then build said game. Those projects, like, that sucks. And they probably won't last. But the tech around it is fascinating. And I think that if we zoom out a little bit and realize that it doesn't happen overnight, right? I always PFP projects and it comes back to like the alien Dougals and in Georgie and the alien boy that started as a joke. And he was able to, to literally throw an entire project together in less than two weeks. Flawless meant flawless art with chaos. Like that took a lot of work, but it was two weeks to build a real game. We're like a year to three years, like depending on if you're going AAA or not LFG, we're not going triple triple A. So we're going to get to market a, a lot quicker but we're not talking in weeks. We're talking a year plus and 18 months uh, to put some of this stuff together. You need to have a much longer time horizon um, when you're looking at gaming assets. Like other side is, I, I hate to break it to everyone. Like it's not coming within a few weeks of mint. That is just not possible. Uh, I don't care if they have a billion dollars. Like eventually the money is like pushing on a rope. It, the amount of money will not matter. There's a human to building the games. I know that you said that your crystal ball is shattered, but can oh, we? It's broken. It's been broken we, for years, my friend. Can we like try to piece it back together just a little bit? Can we like? All right, grab? We'll, we'll try to. We'll glue it together. It'll be not financial advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, 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 perfect. Okay, so so we're grabbing the pieces. We're gluing it back together. If you're looking into that crystal ball that you know has a few cracks on it, we're working we're working on uh making sure that everything works as well as it once did. For all of those people that are living in fear right now, what advice would you give them? And and realistically, obviously, not financial advice, and there's no way to know an exact answer, obviously, for everybody that's listening to this podcast. But how long do you think that we see this this current run that we're on right now? I know you had kind of teased and kind of mentioned subtly throughout the interview. You said that you think that this could be short-lived. How short are we talking? Sell it all and go away. No, I'm just kidding. It, it just depends. Like, was this sell-off really triggered by Luna and UST and that whole arbitrage debacle? Uh, if it was, this will be pretty short-lived. If we look at the global like macro environment with rising interest rates, and I'm, I'm very U.S. skewed. I apologize for those that aren't in the U.S. You know, rising rising rates and and inflation's gone crazy. You know, you you add everything is is very correlated. I think someone uh, had model. I saw it on Twitter. They took the Nasdaq and, and BTC and looked at the pricing and how it tracked, and it was like very very obvious. It was correlated. And those are all experiencing, there's no safe place to hide, so to speak. Yeah, we could be in a longer downturn. I, I should say it is possible. It could be a much longer downturn. I don't, I don't necessarily see that. And I think that innovation will come out ahead and maybe even decouple part of the, the crypto piece. If we see something that's truly innovative and different, the market will reward that. So I'm, I'm excited. It doesn't mean it's invulnerable, but I'm excited to see what, what others create. And this is the time to be creating and keep building. Um, so if I'm new to the space and I'm learning a ton, 
I would try to take each person's tweets or podcasts or YouTubes with a grain of salt and realize they're trying to figure it out just as well as you are. Maybe they're a, a bit head in the learning experience, but no one's crystal ball works and everyone's trying to figure it out on the fly and trying to learn from each other and trying to propel the space forward. And if I'm new, I'm learning how one can I position myself to be in a, in a good spot where I can learn the most. And then two, how can I build and help propel the space forward? And it's not always about the ETH. And, and again, I'm in a very different pers- you know, position than others. And so are you guys, um, whether good or bad. But when I started in the space, I didn't have the bags I have now. And I learned and I studied and I tried to figure out what I was doing and how this was working and what are the obvious spots that I could start building and using my talents into to doing this and was able to go full time into this and then saw another big opportunity, which is how we ended up launching LFG and, you know, leaning on our experience to put all those pieces together. So I'm not worried about the short term, even if we decide to go not decide, even if it does go into this more protracted actual bear market, we're still building and we're still going to be learning. And I think if you're overexposed, this was kind of maybe the shot across the bow of, Hey, maybe you should take some off the table. Yeah. It wasn't at the same rate or, you know, the, the same bag that you had a couple of weeks ago. But if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're having, if all you're thinking about is your bags and, oh my gosh, I've lost all this. And you're, you're scrolling Twitter for desperate for, for anything, you know, for good news. You're probably overexposed and you probably should figure that out. And what is that sleep well at night sort of NFT portfolio or crypto portfolio? Talking a little bit about bags in there. And, you know, (laughs) one thing that I've really tried to, I guess, hold firm on in the way that I try to deliver stuff or have conversations. And I suppose a little bit more so on Twitch when I stream, because for here, it's kind of like the back and forth. And it is that open mic where for there it's chat. But I love hearing other people's perspectives on things. But at the same time, if you're somebody that's new in the space and you're coming on Twitter, a lot of the time we're seeing people only necessarily talk about whatever their extreme biases and saying, hey, this is, you know, the only blue chip. This is absolutely a done deal. And a lot of certainties around that where, you know, looking back a year ago, we were talking about Decentraland and Sandbox being the kings. And now we have other side out there, which, you know, personally, I think was a little bit of a debacle. And I, you know, look at Sandbox and Decentraland and thinking, okay, for a year of progress, like, look where they are. How are these other ones going to end up competing? Are they suddenly going to be different teams, faster production, yada, yada. But the argument of a blue chip right now. CryptoPunks were the king. Yuga's, I guess, the king right now. And, you know, I'm seeing more and more people kind of just shove that in the face of like, hey, this is the definitive blue chip. What's your thoughts on that? Do you agree, first of all, with like Yuga's the definitive blue chip? And then how do you think this whole space shakes up? Because also over the past uh, few days, we had the Zagabond issue with Azuki, and that's another topic we can get to. But it was found out that one of the creators of Azuki founded Funks and Zunks, in which they 
essentially kind of like rugged both of those projects. And we've seen Azuki on a massive fire sale. So I guess back to the main question here for blue chips, for people kind of, you know, <laughs> highlighting specifically their bags. How do you, how do you think the, the top of the uh, NFT space shakes up over the next year? Yeah, remind me to go back on the the Azuki piece. Um, love to love to chat on on that side, but I'll I'll address kind of the blue chip concept and and maybe interweave a little bit of my thoughts on Azuki to that. But those thought that Azuki was a blue chip, right? They yeah. they thought that you know punks were the the blue chip or apes were the blue chip, cool cats were the blue chip, right? We've seen it all, but what is it? actually mean i think I, I i personally don't like the term blue chip everything's too young in the space to to actually be that i think CryptoPunks uh has the longevity to be called a blue chip i think the apes rose to this massive worldwide brand and could be considered that i don't think there's necessarily anything else that that really is uh, because the term blue chip in the space right now is is associated a hundred percent and that doesn't mean that it's a good team. It doesn't mean that they're going to execute on a global scale. It doesn't mean that they're going to be successful. I really wish that everyone could be successful, but most small businesses fail in the first couple of years. Most people have not done the math and said, oh, look, this project that's telling me that they're going to drop this and that they're also going to, you know, create a comic and an metaverse and build a game and do all this stuff. Their initial sales was and their floor is, and they're pulling in, you know, royalties of hundred thousand a month. Like you can't actually build most of that stuff, little amount of money, unless they're continually selling more and more things and money is getting replenished. Just too small for the vast majority of the projects to be able to execute on these absurd roadmaps that they have. So I think when we look at blue chips, really what people are talking about is this project has done something, whether the pro the founders did it or it was the community that did it, but they have done something to achieve a certain price level, but it doesn't show competence in the team. And that's, I think something that people really need to understand because if you're really good at writing contracts and you're really good at art, but you've never built a game before, you might really suck at building a game. And unless you've got Yuga funding, it might be really hard to launch that game, but if that, that team actually has been working at Blizzard or EA or Sony PlayStation or Daybreak or whatever, and they have this massive background in traditional games in making, I think that they're probably likely going to execute because they know all the work it takes to build that. If they've worked on comics their whole life and they launched a PFP project and their product is going to relay out 12 comics over the next, you know, 24 months. I'm going to guess that they've done that their whole life, their whole career. They're probably going to be able to execute on that. But if they decide, Oh, and we're going to build a game, we're going to do all these other things. They're probably going to fall flat and they're probably not realizing how much money it takes and how hard it is to even find the human capital to build out as a game designer, unity dev or an unreal dev or, um, you know, art director or anything like there's so many pieces that go in to building games. So the concept of blue chip, I really think is just a price mechanism. And I, I think we need to really dig deeper into the teams and 
that's going to be pretty tough in the space when a lot of teams are still anonymous. And this is not a knock on, on having anyone be anonymous. Um, I was for the first almost year in the space. And I realized that I needed to not be anonymous um, in order to give our projects the best chance of succeeding. And I think that the projects that remain anonymous are, they, they need to be a little, people need to be a little more skeptical on what is being produced and what is being offered. Um, because if you're anonymous and there's no way to fact check anything whatsoever and they're getting 20, 30 ETH floors, it just is a lot tougher in, in a, in a sideways or a down market kind of coming back to what I might think from, from a newbie coming into the, into the space. I mean, we've talked about the other side drop a little bit and just to kind of go with that for a little bit here. I feel like I'm somebody who's been insanely critical of the drop for a whole bunch of different reasons. And I think the main one, just kind of the secrecy around the whole thing regarding the KYC that happened. And then, you know, they have like all the funding from the mutants saying, hey, we're able to do everything that we want to do with those fundings. And then they go into like this other side drop where they're partnered with Animoca Brands. The pitch deck comes out and they say, hey, like conservatively, we're wanting to charge about an ETH for it comes out basically 2.5 ETH worth of ape. And then obviously the demand skyrocketed and gas fees, yada, yada, yada. Um, But I mean, we still got like no white paper and all this other kind of stuff. And you're talking about the Yuga money here. What's your kind of outlook on how the, the potential of this game really succeeding and becoming, you know, the next World of Warcraft in Web3? Yeah, that's a tougher one. Um, and especially, you know, full disclosure, I've got a giant ape bag myself, um, not just other side, but I mean, I did mint apes. Are and, they completely different, um, though? Like, do you like it, does other side success correlate to what board ape can do? Because I feel like they're two completely different things at this point. They are and they're not. We can kind of go over that in a second. You know, when they said, hey, it's going to be about an ETH with the leak deck, I think it was 305 Ape, right? When the Apes kind of came out, it was trading at, at $1.67, which, you know, getting closer to that ETH pricing. The fact that it mooned to like $27, probably quite dumb to to purchase at that price. Hindsight's twenty twenty. you don't actually... It was pretty obvious to see that the hype... And the speculation and the interest was massive. Uh, I've said publicly and privately, like I drop pretty hard um, because smarter people than myself, I've already talked about Georgie and and, uh, what he's been building, but guy and his team are are a whiz when it comes to to contracts. A bunch of things that were just not optimized from a gas perspective. Like I expect better from the apex predator in the space, right? The top dog. I expect them to continue to keep innovating like they have and be the trendsetters. And that was just not, it was not Yuga quality. I, I think um, the, the, the announcement after saying, no, oh, we broke ETH. Let's start our own chain uh, was a, I think a very poor timed joke slash announcement. Um, it was pretty easy to kind of foreshadow that, they are going to go their own chain. They've worked with Horizon Labs. Pretty easy to connect those two dots. It just was a really poor timed piece. And then, you know, there's a, still a lot of 
a lot of uh, mysterious ambiguity around what do these resources mean? What do these artifacts mean? What are mega codas versus regular codas? Uh, how do the codas go within the play, like the gameplay? Why, why you know, is land location really a, 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 an importance here or is the the type of land? Like there's so many things that should have been announced. They've made tens of millions of dollars in secondary. I really wish we would see more information. You got board apes. They've, they've always been about lack of information, letting the public kind of figure it out and trust the process. This is one of those times I think they shouldn't have done that. So I've been a very big critic of other side still own some, but I've, I've been a, a pretty big critic of that. Comparing it to sandbox to central land NFT worlds and, and other stuff. I've said it dozens of times publicly, like they're all different. They all have their own reasons for existing, their own little niche community, niche communities, right? The, the person that plays apex legends or halo is not the same person that plays Minecraft, right? There's hundreds of millions of people that play Minecraft and they don't play first person shooters or they don't play world of Warcraft been around forever, right? Sandbox can fill that, that niche if, if that's the the exact demographic they're going after whereas and and they are actually competing with nft worlds which is in fact minecraft um, and i still have some reservations there even though we're a verified builder and i love what they're doing and we build there a lot but that's very different than other side right that's that's going to be very different than than lfg and what we're building you know very different than decentraland decentraland is not gaming focused at all i mean it's, it's social. It has its own problems. There's a lot of them, but that is not a competitor to other side there. This is not a zero sum game where there's just one winner. There's going to be many winners and they're all going to have different reasons for existing. I like that analogy specifically talking about other side. And I want to just talk a little bit more about the BAYC ecosystem here talked about was exactly this the comparison between other side and just let's use a mutant if you're looking at getting in and obviously you you can't swing buying a bored ape would you prefer to get in by getting a mutant would you prefer by getting in getting in and, and getting other side plots with let's just use coda for example where would you lean if you were looking at getting into the board API club ecosystem and not looking to, uh, to buy a board eight? Oh, hundred percent waiting for Schiller to fractionalize biz. That would be what I would, I would I get it. <laughs> I'm messing with you, bud. before I give this, this answer, I think it's important to know the perspective and the bags that I hold. Cause that is definitely biased to what it is. But, um, Satsuma, my co-founder, I'm a business partner. Uh, we both own our apes. We both own several mutants. We both own several dogs and we own several plots of, of other side. So realize that I'm still very vested in the ecosystem and I am truly very, very, very thankful that I was able to be early enough and dumb enough in terms of luck. Like I'm not claiming that that was genius. It was not genius. It would have been genius to hold everything I minted. I absolutely fumbled that bag super hard, but I want everyone to know that I'm very biased in the, in the answer. I like a lot of what the, the apes have done. It does not mean that they will always be on top. 
It does not mean that it is blind love. No matter what happens, I will always cheer. I mean, look, I just talked pretty negatively about the other side drop. Do I think it's going to be a good game? Yeah, I think they, they with half a billion dollars on the drop and another half a billion that they raised, so a billion bucks, uh, yeah, you're going to probably build a pretty dope game. And I'm excited to see what what comes out of that. Is that going to be in the time frame that the NFT community wants? Absolutely not. It's going to take a lot of time to build, and they're probably going to have little mini games and and launching reskinned mobile games and other stuff like they've already done in order to kind of buy some time for people. You always want the top of the top, right? You always want the best, right? You're it. It is very clear in the ecosystem that apes have been rewarded. But if I'm looking at obviously most cannot afford an ape. If I'm looking at the ecosystem as a whole, I actually think that the interesting piece is if you want to buy for the game itself, the codas could be a really interesting play because there's 10,000 of them and they can move lands. So if you can't afford a really killer piece of land, but you could potentially afford a coda, which is again, not cheap. Uh, and I'm, I'm very aware of that. Uh, that, that could be an interesting play. And of course I should also have said not financial advice anywhere in any of this stuff. Of course. Other kind of hidden gem. And I don't think it's super hidden, but it's kind of hiding in, in plain sight is the dogs. I think the dogs are a fascinating play because there's 9,600 and I think 30 of them. Not every ape even claim their free mint of, of a dog. And that is as done. There's no more of those being created. And there's a, there's, there's some interesting hints on their, their roadmap, that sheet that they brought out with the paw print and a couple other things that I think are interesting. Um, and I, I, I don't think that that would be a bad entry into the ecosystem uh, compared to a, you know, a general piece of land that's trading, you know, maybe half that price. I don't follow the prices like perfectly, so I don't know exactly where these things are at right this second. But I like that as a potential entry into the space right now, if, if it's Yuga that you're, you're trying to join into. And Shil, you made a comment where you think they're two separate things. And I would say legally, they, they probably are. Um, I think a lot of the, I've, I've learned a lot paying a lot of expensive attorneys over the last year, understanding the legalities around tokens and how all of this stuff works behind the scenes. You have to jump through a lot of hoops. And we know that the founders are in the U.S., so they're they're trying to abide by all these rules and regulations, whether there's, it's clear or clear as mud. I'm going to tell you it's probably clear as mud um, on what they need to build and how they need to organize and structure. I think in the eyes of the community, they are one. And if other side comes out, and let's just say, joking here, but like, let's, let's just say this thing looks like Pixelmon. Right. It looks terrible. They just rugged everyone. It was de- like absolutely apes, mutants, dogs, you name it, is going to go and just get absolutely crushed. Like the, the flash crash, if you want to call it whatever it is that happened in crypto, it, it is going to look minuscule compared to what will happen if other side comes out and it's crap to the other assets in the ecosystem. Because everyone has tied these two completely together. Right. It's, it's called ape coin, for God's sake. Like, it is very, very, I think if the apes stopped giving away, BYC stopped giving the apes and the mutants free stuff, 
and that stuff got allocated to other side, I don't think other side is going to suffer. The apes might suffer in isolation, but I think other side, if it doesn't do well, it will cause everything in the ape ecosystem to do poorly. It's too big of a drop. It had too many people invested in it to not be correlated one-to-one. I'm very curious because you've kind of teased it. You've alluded to it throughout the entire interview. You've said that you don't think it's a, a guaranteed always number one. You don't love the terminology blue chip in this space. What would it take for somebody to pass BAYC? I think it's going to come back to what I was saying earlier about innovation. It's going to be something we haven't seen yet that's being created. Um, it will take, it, it, I think it will also take a big fumble from the apes um, in parallel. So if other side comes out and it sucks, um, if they decided to make every uh, mutant and dog holder and future IP holder, because they've hinted at future IPs, obviously there's CODAs, um, and there's there was another IP mentioned on their deck with the goblin. If they fumble all of that at the same time or near same time as something else comes out that is truly revolutionizing the NFT space, um, I think it, it would get dethroned at that time. But again, it's not a zero-sum game. I think there's way more than one winner. I think in the in the space, it, we're not even remotely close to mass adoption. Like not even remotely close. When mass adoption occurs within the NFT space in probably three or four years, there's probably not even enough PFPs for everyone to enjoy. Like it sounds really weird in this little eco chamber that we're all in, echo chamber that we're all in. With 4,000 projects launching what feels like every day. High quality, good projects that people will want that are affordable entry points. Like there's not enough. So I think we need to see some true innovation coming. I think the, the PFP piece is, is fine. Uh, where it is, I think, you know, people were, have been very overexposed to that. If we saw with just what NFT Twitter is, taken to with, uh, you know, a, a freezing or a downturn in global markets, crypto markets and NFT space in, in general, but innovation will thrive and the NFTs, we haven't even truly seen all of the stuff that's coming. The, the finance real estate part of my brain is, is looking at this stuff going like the way that people transact in real estate is going to fundamentally change completely because of blockchain NFT technology. Title will not exist when you're buying a home and you've got to do title search and figure out ownership and all this. Like that will just, that will, that will go away. Escrow will likely form a, through a smart contract. Someone will figure out some really cool, easy, simple UI that'll allow it to be trustless in that environment. I'm really excited when other industries start getting completely turned upside down right now we're seeing art and a little bit of music to be able to do i mean like we said like a, launch a pfp project in two weeks pretty easy super low barrier to entry changing the way that real estate is transacted again i'm very u.s focused because where i live and 
It's my bias, my home bias, if you will, but changing the way that from a national standpoint, like how we trade and buy real estate, massive undertaking that's going to take a decade to figure out. I'm excited for those things. And I think that in this space, someone will figure out some really cool stuff to do with NFT technology. I think more IRL events are occurring. Those that kind of figure out how to bring the NFTs to the masses through IRL events and show them actual use cases of why you would want to own something that could provide entry or access or backstage pass or whatever that might be like fascinating ideas are going to come from that. We've just seen the tip of the iceberg. We've seen the easiest part of this. This is the crayon part. I'm really pumped for the future stuff that's coming that I can't figure out. Maybe you guys can't figure out, but someone will figure out in their own respective industries or spaces. I'm pumped at what we're doing from the gaming space, but there's so much more disruption that's going to occur. I love that you, excuse me, that you highlight about the disruptiveness, the technological changes or use cases. Because something that I've been like preaching for the last little bit is it feels the different NFT projects and everything are popping off for the reasons of it being more culturally relevant than being technologically relevant, right? I don't think that you look at what Bored Apes have really done at all and say, oh, you know, that's a technological advancement in kind of ways. Sure, maybe certain components of it, but we've really not seen a huge influx of that. And a minute ago, we were kind of talking about Azuki. So I want, I want to circle back to that for a second, because that's something where, you know, it was culturally really relevant. Azuki, everybody's saying, yo, this is a certified blue chip. Comes out that one of the team members was a part of Zunks and Funks and kind of essentially rug those projects. I mean, I still see Funks around a little bit. Zunks, not so much. Apparently, Zunks went on a little bit of a run. There was an individual named Andrew Wang who hosted a Twitter space with uh, the uh, founder of that uh, Zegabond and <laughs> holy sheesh, the uh, the wolves were out on that one. Nobody really liked any of the sayings that he had. Nobody was believing or really compassionate about anything that was happening because the answers just didn't fit uh, what they were expecting in terms of like remorse this, that, and the other thing. But at the same time, the space is extremely forgiving. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about technological advances. We've talked a little bit about blue chips. Do you have kind of any thoughts on Zuki being classified as a blue chip and, you know, subsequently kind of getting removed from that conversation, at least for right now? Because there is a lot of different points to it. I think it proves the point of blue chip equals floor price. Like this is, uh, oh, I think a pretty horrible event for those that hold Azuki's. The community will probably come together. Every community does when they get essentially quote unquote rugged. You know, actually let's, let's talk about the, the term rugged for a second. I think that it's a, it's actually a really dangerous term to just loosely throw around. And what I'm referencing here is, you know, I'm kind of working this even out of my own mind. If a project launches and they complete a roadmap and may, or maybe there was no roadmap. Maybe it's like the punks and it's like, we just created this. Well, there's no promise of utility, right? It's just, it is what it is. Or the project comes out and, and actually completes a roadmap. Hey, we're going to complete by doing X, Y, Z. And they do that. And then they stop working on it. That is not a rug. 
you didn't get screwed. You bought, developed, or created, or put something out. They've done what they said they're going to do. Just continue to build. That sucks, but it's not a rug. I don't know what we could technically call that. To me, a rug is an obvious scam, right? It's, it's hey, you're going to get this really great XYZ, and I delivered something nowhere close to that, or I'm not going to complete anything on my roadmap, and I'm going to lie to you and tell you it's coming, uh, and then never do that. Um, that that's, that's a rug. Those founders, like because mostly anonymous, they can get away with it. And they'll create, spin up a new identity. And this is the part where the market will continually get smarter and try to figure this stuff out. But it's really hard when it's an anonymous team and there's a lot more risk and you have to be comfortable taking that risk. Like no one is the D-Y-O-R, like no one is doing all four of those letters, doing the research and figuring out, is this something for them or not? When we look at specifically Azuki, and I don't want to go like crazy in it because I'm not uh, saying that this was justified or or not justified. Like I, I don't want to have a stance in, in, in that piece. I don't condone founders that are just going to start a project. Uh, don't finish things and move on to the next project and don't disclose. Um, if, if everything, and I actually, to be honest, don't follow those projects. So I don't know all the details, but if let's say they built the funks and they executed on that roadmap, like that isn't a rug pull. If they created, I think they created something called Tendies and Zunks. If those roadmaps are not complete, uh, or if what they they promised to do they didn't actually do, then yes, that is a a rug. I don't know what's on their roadmap. I don't know if they've executed everything, but I think it's absolutely shady that they didn't say. By the way, I've created this or that, and this is how that turned out. I did see a comment where they pretended to to be a woman uh to sell more nfts or or to or maybe there was a woman actually to doing that like i i don't know if they were pretending to be a woman like that is that that crosses a whole lot of other lines that like should not exist it's that is that's really frustrating infuriating actually to to know that someone would would do that and and we've seen it fame ladies it was very clear to to satsuma and i cuz satsuma my co-founder and business partner is a, is a woman in the space. And, and we, we tried reaching out multiple times to the fame ladies when it was the original, uh, developers. And it was very clear. They wanted no business. They didn't want to get on a call. They didn't want to chat. They didn't want to DM. That is not, that was a massive red flag for us. And we weren't going to come out. We had no proof, but it just fell off to us. So we exited that project and said, you know what, this is just not for us. Like we were doing more research. We're trying to get it and it fell off. And of course it, it ended up being that they were a bunch of, I think Russian guys uh, and not, not female founders. That part is, is extremely frustrating. And unfortunate. One other word that I'd, I'd like to maybe discuss for a second is the word forgiving. I don't think the NFT community is forgiving. I think that they have the attention. will move on to something else to try to basically add more ETH to their bags. And I'm not trying to be rude or insensitive or call anyone specifically out. I'm saying it's mostly about people's bags and they're not willing to necessarily forgive. They're willing to forget conveniently when it, it works well with their bags. So 
if the founders were doxed and it was very easy to see who was running certain projects and connect the dots, I don't think Azuki's would be where they're at right now. And that is a problem because they were doing shady stuff, whether it was a rug or it just was a completed thing. And then they, they left the project that to me, I don't, I don't like, I would love to see projects being able to continue forward and, and, you know, continue to innovate. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, it's unfortunate. And I know a lot of people lost a lot of money. And so I'm, I'm sympathetic to that because they didn't, they didn't know. And you know, how, how would you, most people didn't know. I mean, unless he voluntarily doxed himself or, you know, not doxing from a name, but from the other projects. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird things that occurred with that, that project that, you know, I know as a, as an outsider, I'm not an insider by any means. I'm hoping we see change. I'm hoping people demand change and I'm hoping that people stop forgetting and they remember and they ask harder questions and things don't mint out as quickly and floors rise to be given the term blue chip because the floor is 20 ETH or 15 ETH. Like blue chip, you shouldn't, you should have to earn that respect, not by price, by showing what you've done in, in the community to propel your project forward, to put your community first, not your bags. Boomer, you're so well-spoken. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And as we're wrapping things up here, I do want to kind of touch on your project here for a second. I know there's not a whole lot because you guys are building in secret, but if somebody's wanting to follow you or kind of stay up to date with what you're working on, what's the uh, best way to do that? And if you want to share any kind of info about it, feel free. Yeah, I'll be a little more secretive on it um, only because I'm really enjoying building in stealth. Like truly, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's not as uh, not as much pressure. There's no real demands from the community yet to uh, to know everything and, and anything. I get the, hey, give me some alpha kind of DMs, but I can tell you that we're going to aim really, really high at changing a lot of pieces in the space to propel the space forward. A lot of what we are doing, everything of what we're doing, to be honest, is putting the player first. And that means that we aren't going to be shoving stuff at players trying to extract a ton of value before you've stepped foot in our game. We are going to make really fun games and we want everyone to play them. And I don't want it to only be crypto natives who understand how to bridge assets and move money and to, you know, set up MetaMask, which sucks. We want it to feel almost crypto optional. 100% cryptos in the background and NFTs are core throughout everything. And to be honest, the NFTs are going to be interoperable between all of our games and all the genres that we're building. But we're going to put the player first. And that truly is going to change, I think, the space for the better. Because it's going to change several models around metaverse and metaverse development. It's going to change the play to earn model, which I absolutely hate that term. Um, I'm leaning pretty hard into the game and own kind of terminology um, or game craft own repeat is uh, we're putting things together. Really unique opportunity with web two businesses coming in the space and changing in-game monetization models 
to benefit the player, not just the studio or the companies coming in the space. So we've got really, really big goals and leaning on currently the experience of the team. All of our team is 15 plus years in the traditional gaming space. We're really teaching them Web3, which is so fun. But their whole careers for the last 15, 20, 25 years have been building really fun games that gamers want to play. And we're going to bring some really fun games to the blockchain. And of course, allow you to own the assets and things that you're creating versus extracting the value ahead. So I'm really pumped on 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 us and what we're building, what we're doing. And I think we're doing it in a very ethical manner. So there you have it. There's a little more than I probably should have said, but <laughs> I'm I'm really excited about what we're building. Well, if you're wanting to follow Boomer on Twitter, it's at Boomer LFG. And then if you're wanting to check out this Life Force games, it's at Join Life Force on Twitter as well. Boomer, thanks so much for joining and uh, really hoping that we can uh, chat again sometime soon on here. Something I found really interesting was the fact that he highlighted blue chips during that interview. I, I don't I don't know how you felt about his comments, but I obviously wanted to hear your thoughts about it. He went out of his way to say, hey, pump the brakes, man. We're starting to call everything blue chips. And frankly, that might not be the case. What was your reaction? Because that was something that I found really, really interesting. He's right. Like the definition of a blue chip, when you look at that, everyone completely bases it off volume. Because when you go to things like CryptoSlam.io or any of these NFT tools, it's whatever's on the top of the charts or, you know. So when you're checking sites like CryptoSlam.io and you're seeing the floor prices, everyone's just like, okay, those are the top projects and those are the blue chips. And I, I think he's totally right with that assumption, but I think it goes a little bit more beyond that. For example, who we've had on the show, Jenkins the Valet, a lot of people consider that one a blue chip, but it's it's absolutely never on the top of the charts trending-wise. Some people would say, hey, Pixel Vault is. Pixel Vault made an announcement yesterday that was pretty big, and G-Funk wrote a letter, and I'll read it here in a minute. They're segregated in multiple different collections, from the planets to the metahero identities to the comics where it doesn't show up the same, but I think if you merged all of them together, it would end up being on the top of the charts. And I mean, I guess that kind of highlights how much volume Bored Apes really get from the fact that the dogs, the mutants, and Bored Apes themselves are pretty much always on the top of the charts. But the argument of what is a blue chip definitely stems from price. And I wonder if we see kind of a fundamental shift, right? Because we talk, I don't know, every episode, I don't know how, why we keep bringing this up. It's like Bulls on the Block 2.0, but like the Doodles thing, right? With Doodles, they're wanting to do this tech. They're wanting to do something that's a little bit different where it's not them dropping NFTs, even though I need to check up on an announcement because it sounded like they might be doing something like that. The idea, the fundamentals, I think we're actually at a pivotal moment right now. Like if we were going to snapshot the space, I think within the last week, the space has taken such a big shift that we'll look forward and it won't be the same at all compared to what it was. Wait, 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 You're telling me that you don't think Doodles is a blue chip or because I know that this was brought up on the call that we had or on the interview that we just had with Boomer. Cool Cats, potentially not a blue chip. Like, are we are we buying that? Are we are we sipping that Kool-Aid? Like, what? Well, what's your vibe 
pulse on that vibe. Well, so here's the thing. With Izuki getting decoupled the way that it did and everyone kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, hold on a second. Let's reset the space. Who's here building? Who's trying to do stuff? Who's trying to be innovative while also, you know, pushing the space forward? And... You're like, oh, crap, hold on. We were just fudding everything that was like actually trying and sure it didn't happen on the first go, but they're still here. They're still working on it. And again, like I think if we took a snapshot of this last week looking forward, the space is going to be looked at completely differently. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, is there a real possibility that the only blue chip in the NFT space right now is Board Ape Yacht Club? And of course, CryptoPunks. Like, are those the only... We've talked about this so much, and it's... I just found this, and I couldn't wait to talk to you about it. I found it so enticing and exciting and, and really worth talking about. A very, very hot topic. Do you think there's a world where they're like five years from now, we look back and those were the only two blue chips. I don't think so. The The thing with CryptoPunks right now is we have somewhat of a divide, I feel like. And this is just from different people's perspectives on Twitter where people are like kind of highlighting for them. Do they associate Yuga with CryptoPunks? Like, obviously, you have to. But is it is it still CryptoPunk now that Yuga owns them? It feels like the sales on them have kind of been picking up a little bit. We'll see if Yuga does nothing with them except for, you know, giving them avatars within other side or some other perks where some people are asking, hey, don't do anything. And other people are saying, yo, do stuff. CryptoPunks are still to the vast majority of people a blue chip, but those looking to purchase it, I think, have conflicting views on kind of the space, I guess. To say that we potentially only have those two as blue chips, it's a wild thought, right? Because does it turn yeah. into where Yuga just goes out and acquires all of the top projects? It sounds like that's totally uh-huh. doable. I mean, I'm, uh-huh. I'm pretty heavy into Look Labs, and they've talked about acquiring different projects and whatnot. And I mean, for them, they haven't even released any of the games that they started yet, but they're talking about acquiring things. And I mean, you know, similar to Board Apes in a way where they've dropped different NFTs, but they've really not dropped a massive experience. Well, I guess they could say, you know, the mobile game that they have would be something for the future of the space. Does it turn into it's a whole bunch of smaller projects or does it turn into whatever ones kind of fall under that blue chip category? They get acquired by Yuga. Like, I, I would love to know if there's ever been an attempt of the Yuga team talking with doodles, talking with cool cats, talking even with Azuki. Like that's, has that happened? Would you be surprised if it has? I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, is that a hot take? I don't know, but why wouldn't you? If you're Yuga Labs, why not try to acquire all the big dogs and have them under one umbrella? Why not? Mm, Yeah. I mean, like, I guess it's a responsibility because I mean, for look labs, a problem with them talking about acquiring this stuff is people are saying, oh, well, you haven't released stuff yet. Why are you thinking like bigger picture that way? Where, I mean, for me, I'm like, okay, like you probably want them to think bigger picture than just something small in the first place. But does it really do anything? Like, so let's say Yuga tomorrow picks up, uh, what would be a good collection here? Doodles. Yeah, sure. Let's say Yuga buys doodles tomorrow. What happens to the market? I mean, I think that it helps Doodles, right? You think Doodles go flying? I think so. Yo, those spaceships came in handy. 
I think so, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Why not? If you're Yuga, it's a win-win. You, you acquire other projects that, and here's the thing too. This is where I think it gets brilliant. If they were able to pull that off and you were able to have all of them under one roof, what do you gain from it? I'm, I'm asking you, what do you gain from it? You gain their community. The strength of these NFT projects are their community. So if you're able to take already arguably the strongest community in the entire NFT space, you merge up with another powerhouse community. Now, all of a sudden, their community becomes one of yours. And now they're all under the same. You're building a juggernaut that, that's a force to be reckoned with. Again, we talk about the fact that 99% of the projects potentially will not be here in five years and the top one percent will if you're yuga labs i think it makes incredible sense i think i'm doing it tomorrow yeah spicy well see now the other thing though is if you are acquiring one of these projects i think people then go out and say well 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 why are you focusing on this other stuff when we're all waiting for details on the other side drop i mean that's fair but then why not if you're yuga spin it to help with the other side drop why not bring them into that universe somehow? Why not do something with those plots of land with other quote-unquote projects that you want to collab with and team up with? Who knows? It's all speculatory. It's all speculation. But it's a super, super fun thing to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll see. I think, I think the... I really do think that the top five of the space gets really shifted massively. Yeah. I still think yeah. Yugi's going to be there. I think we'll see. I do you genuinely think that the other side drop was not good for them from a no, PR no, perspective? No. Like, hypothetically, if they closed up shop tomorrow, I don't think people would remember the amazingness that happened. Well, I mean, a lot of people would, but I think, you know, there's still that, okay, well, like, what the hell is this? And, you know, I think that's easily rectified, but, you know, I'm still waiting to see it. So uh, with that said, Pixel Vault, it's their one-year birthday as of yesterday, May 10th. They released a letter, well, specifically from G-Funks. Let me read it here quick, and then, uh, Sean, we can discuss what's said in it, because it sounds like Pixel Vault is doing kind of a little bit of a rehaul here. So, from the desk, an open letter to the Pixel Vault community. To my Pixel Vault family and our Web3 community more broadly, a look back. Happy anniversary! It's been exactly one year since we launched Punk's Comic Number 1, and wow, look at how far we have come. Ignore current market dynamics for a moment and reflect on what has transpired in a mere 365 days. Not only have we built at the cutting edge of an emerging field, we have done so rapidly. Punk's Comic was a completely novel idea, and well, people didn't understand it at first. Issue Number 1 took five weeks to sell out. Typically a death knell for an NFT project, yet our community rallied behind the people, the art, the stories, and the game theory. Punks marked an important first, the first NFT project to explore intellectual property and storytelling as its primary focus. Today, Web3 is full of storytellers. Virtually all legitimate projects have leaned into the concept that creating stories not only drives value, but also builds communities. I believe that this is an incredibly powerful legacy for a comic and our business. What started as a handful of strangers on the internet has now grown into a team that is 50 strong. I've always been of the belief that you should invest in people above all else, and we have certainly backed up that mantra this year. Pixel Vault's greatest differentiator is our team. Bull market or bear, we are a team of builders relentlessly dedicated to telling great stories and embracing new technology 
for and alongside our community. We have never been more motivated than we are today. As I have publicly mentioned in the past, I risked everything that I had and more leaning on friends and family to help bring this company to life. It is not lost upon me that your support has made this dream a reality. I humbly thank each of you for the role that you have played in Pixel Vault's growth over the last year and ask you to continue building alongside us in the years to come. I'd like to take this opportunity to share some important updates, including our new website and logo, while refreshing our ongoing commitment to serving the ever-expanding worlds of punks, metahero, and our vision for writing the creative future together. So Pixel Vault Chapter 2. From day one, Punk's Comic and Metahero Universe were created for and by the community. I've always envisioned Pixel Vault as a bridge to an inclusive, accessible, collaborative, and open world. Not just referring to Web3, but disrupting the tech, social, and entertainment landscapes more broadly to create an equitable tomorrow. Many like-minded dreamers have joined the cause from media and interactive entertainment companies like TikTok, Hulu, Zynga, Bungie, Microsoft Games, Blizzard, Samsung, Hasbro, and Warner Bros., to name a few, NFTs are here to stay. As we now exit our self-imposed quiet period, having delivered on our existing roadmap and reset expectations, I would like to give you an idea of things to come. The Punk's Ecosystem the only blue chip without an identity won't be that way for much longer. Genesis Comics set. Punk's comic issue number three will complete the Genesis comic set and will be the last standard issue made available for sale. But don't worry, the stories will continue. Issue number three, expected in June, will be the Punk's X Metahero crossover edition and will distribute many of the remaining heroes, mutants, and cores that are currently held in the Pixel Vault Inc. multisig. More Punk's content. Courtney will get her time to shine as we are actively in talks to bring Punk's to mainstream entertainment mediums. Sidekicks. We are working on arguably the most complex PFP collection to date in the NFT ecosystem. Part 1. And so they call it DOTS here, so D-O-T-S. DOTS will be compromised of seven unique tiers. Collectors will have a chance to transform their DOTS into larger characters with greater skills. These dots will be critical to the first stage of the Metahero Universe game. Part 2. As part of this game and in connection with dots, species native to each planet will be revealed. Looking at you, planet holders. So Metahero Upgrades. We are working with one of the most respected content studios in the world to reimagine what identities, dots, and species can look like. This is a world that will embrace creativity. Many artists and storytellers will have the opportunity to give their viewpoint on what the world looks, feels, and sounds like. Style Lockers Holders will have the opportunity to swap and display their characters in a multitude of styles, non-dilutive, and the story has only just begun. Strategic Advisors We're bringing on board leading Hollywood creative talent to help bring our stories to life on screen. More importantly, they're helping us to reimagine the Hollywood business model towards one that prioritizes inclusivity and fosters positive change. The United Planets DAO, the complex United Planets DAO structure is set to be completed this summer. I'm of the opinion this will be the most creative DAO structure to date, a technical leap forward. DAO voting, internally and across planets, will be a major component to the MetaHero Universe game and ecosystem. Pixel Vault will gamify DAO participation and hopes to set the standard for what an active and engaged community can accomplish in Web3. We are counting on you. Pixel Vault Gaming, led by Aaron St. John, former CEO of Hitpoint Studios and co-founder of Lucky Point Labs, both acquired by Penn National Gaming Inc., Pixel Vault Gaming, 
16 team members strong and growing, will, over the next year, be launching a gaming platform and accompanying portfolio of games in the MetaHero and Punk's comic brand universes. The team will create a place to expand the collective story of these IPs that at the same time continues to derive value, utility, and most of all, fun to our existing NFTs and tokens. MetaHero Universe Game In partnership with a global indie studio focused on the future of AAA games, we are working to bring the MetaHero Universe to life within an immersive 3D environment within the next year. Pixel Vault Sports Our shared passion for sports led us to spin up a sports division. Focused on telling athlete-inspired stories, we brought on Tzvi T. Tversky, a former sports marketing lead at TikTok and CMO of the Mamba Sports Academy, to lead the charge on this front. We'll share more on May 20th on the main stage at VCon, so stay tuned to learn how we'll be providing benefits to existing Pixel Vault NFT holders. Merch. We're working on the freshest gear in the metaverse. We have teamed up with renowned designers across fashion and creative to bring you merch for punks, MetaHero, and Pixel Vault. Available to purchase in our native currencies. We'll share more soon about the upcoming limited edition collections. And that's really just the start of it. As you can see, we have been busy. Strap in, folks. This is going to be one hell of an adventure. Stay building, G-Funk. First, congratulations to Pixel Vault. Year's a big deal in this space. Huge deal. Second of all, why do we care? You tell me. I know that you love Pixel Vault. I know that this is this is like home base for you. What does this mean? Do we think the dots are going to move the needle? Do we do we believe in them more today after this statement than we did yesterday? And if so, why? Yes. Again, I think it goes back to my thoughts about this week being pivotal. People are now wanting something that's different. It's not going to cut it. For a project to do what has kind of been the the mantra of copying whatever Board Apes does. We've seen it time and time again regarding companions, regarding this, regarding that. The gaming front, the sports front, the the, the mainstream adoption that was talked about with Boomer earlier. These are some of the ways that it happens. If you have top of the line people for the merch where you get other people that aren't in the space thinking, hey, that's cool. For sports, you're attracting a completely different type of audience for it. And then, of course, with the Meta Hero and the Punks comic, I mean, that's just kind of, you know, doing, I mean, specifically for the Punks, that's doing what arguably they do best. And for the Meta Hero universe, we're going to see if they're actually able to create a AAA studio game. But I mean, I thought that was full of a lot of different details. Small. We did, we did see the price of POW kind of take a little bit of a, a swing in the green in the up, up, upper right corner, if you will. And I think that's cool. And I'm trying to think what the biggest news out of this was. There is on their news site, it looks really, really good, but there is different partners that are listed on there, and one of them is grayed out. Why do you think they have one of the partners grayed out? Is this is this secret? Like, what company could they partner with? Because they're already with Adidas, right? Like, what partner could they partner with that would get people out of bed? I don't know if there is any. Like, I feel like Board Apes killed the whole, like, fun, cool, celebrity activation. Yeah. Gaio series involved in a bunch of different yeah. projects. Like, I, I mean, obviously, like, you know, if you say there's there's X amount of companies where you could get super excited for, but I think that it's interesting that a couple months ago, if we were like, oh, my God, they're working with Adidas, 
we'd all rush and like Every, buy in droves. Now it probably doesn't even it. move the market. I don't think it, that that's the thing. There's been so many announcements. We've seen so many celebrity endorser or endorsements regarding different projects, right? I keep always going back to the creatures and Shaq. We've seen Steph with the Board API Club. Obviously, we've seen huge brands pick up, as you mentioned, with Adidas and and all these other brands as well. I, I don't know what does move. I, I would lean on you to ask that question, to be honest. And I don't. I think again, what it would take for something like that to actually cause a catalytic reaction, right? To, to actually be a catalyst. I think it would have to be some like huge gaming, something that hasn't been done before, because I'll be honest, pretty much everything has. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like if right? they said they were working with like Epic games, if they said they were exactly. working with like Xbox, exactly. PlayStation, exactly. Microsoft, exactly. I mean, I guess so then that would move the needle, right? Like that that to me would be like, oh, fuck, this is new, it's different. But I feel like we're almost desensitized. Like we're like, we've kind of grown accustomed to over the last year, which is fantastic, us watching this grow out. We've seen celebrities, we've seen companies that have collabed with big projects and then also some small ones. I mean, listen, don't forget that that we saw... Bulls on the block. You teased it earlier. They teamed up with Floyd Mayweather. That didn't turn out great, right? Like there's there's some things that have gone really well and some things that have gone poorly. And I think because of that, the OGs in the space, the people that understand the NFT space well, maybe are less likely to get out of bed and get excited for for new announcements. So I don't know. The answer to your question, I don't know if there is any. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, listen, it saves you guys from reading that. If you are into Pixel Vault, I mean, myself, I got a whole bunch of planets, so when they gave the shout-out to planet holders, excited to see what the uh, that really comes to, right? Because if we're, if we're leading in the way where DAO voting is going to take over, where you get to decide, I think this is going to be one of the leading charges for that, because I know, and you guys know too, with the ape DAO, that's something, and it's kind of what you want to see, but I mean, for the ape token, they're, they're only voting really right now. Is about like what they're wanting to do for the staking and, uh, you know, is this the right way to do it? And I mean, like, it, it's fine, but it's not it's not the fun stuff, right? Like, I think when the fun stuff comes out of like, hey, do we have this over here? What studio do we work with for this thing? What kind of art do we want? What's the environment like? And you can kind of get a little bit more creative with it. I think that's when things are really going to shine. And for Pixel Vault, I think that'll be uh, a really fun experience to deal with. But they also talked about dots in there, which I guess is kind of the change for the sidekicks. I don't know if that means they're not being called that anymore. But again, I think the sidekick art looks amazing. And when they do fully release that, and if you think it looks amazing too, be sure to pick up one of the nifted displays from the official sponsor of the Shot to the Moon podcast. If you guys don't know, they have wall series displays as well as ones you can put on your desk where you can load it up and you can actually display your different NFTs in kind of a loop, whether you want to have your Top Shot moments or whether you want to have your various NFTs, Pixel Vault, Board Ape, Yacht Club, whatever it be, hell, even some of the Shot to the Moon simians. If you're wanting to check that out, you can check out nifted.com or follow them on Twitter at nifted underscore. You know, there's some things that fuck, and then there's some things that fuck, and man, nifted <laughs> displays, they fuck. 
These these displays are top of the art. Probably not the best way to articulate them, but I'll tell you this. If you see one on your wall and it's displaying a bored ape, a simian, a cool cat, a doodle, maybe it's displaying something else. You never know. Maybe a, maybe a hero it's going to display it the right way, and it's the top of the line. So go head over to nifted.com. Make sure that you check out everything that they have coming up. All their drops sell out in an instant, and you don't want to be outside the club waiting to get in. Vaughn, do you, has that ever happened to you? You've been outside the club waiting to get in? I've never had this conversation uh, with you. Are you a, a there guy? was like a place that I was at, and the person thought I was like way too out of it to be let in, but then they let me in anyway. Um, but yeah, we don't have lines in Canada. Nobody goes out like <laughs> really no I lines. Mean, so I, it, de- it depends where you go, but like, I mean, for everywhere that's kind of like around me, the lineups really don't exist. Like it's, <laughs> you just, you just walks that like, do you know what a bouncer is? Yes. I know what a bouncer is. I mean, they're there. Like, I, I, I mean, they don't really do a whole lot. Cause I mean, so what? <laughs> What is the bouncer's job? Just to stand there and look pretty? Well, like, yeah. I mean, they check the IDs and then they let th- through people like, I listen, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the wrong part of Canada. If I go to like Vancouver or something, this is probably crazy. Like I'm in Ontario, but I'm not I'm not really near Ottawa or Toronto. So all the uh, all the clubbing is relatively minuscule. So Nifted is completely not like what Vaughn's used to in Canada. It's like we're we're talking a popping club where the line wraps around the building and they're trying to get in. You don't want you don't want to be on the outside looking in there. Is there any project that we're waiting in line for coming up this week? Anything that you kind of have your your eyes on where we're knocking on that club door? To be honest, I'm kind of just of the mindset right now where we've had such a crazy week that we've had and like the perspective and I'm I'm holding the stuff that I'm convicted in. I I think that, you know, the space everybody's questioning, yo, is stuff going to have value? Is it not? I mean, there's so few things that I feel that are like coming up. Like, that's the problem right now. I'd rather get into a project late and know, like, hey, this is something that's going to be of interest to to me. Yeah, that I really want to be a part of rather than kind of being early. And I mean, you know, some people from the financial perspective are like, oh, what do you mean? You got to get in on mint because like the flips. And I mean, for me, it's not really about that. It's like, hey, do I want to talk about it? Do I find enjoyment from it? And so, I mean, honestly, right now we're just vibing. So last question for you, then. Boomer mentioned this on the podcast and said, you, you asked him this question. I want to turn around and ask you, what should new projects that are launching be cognizant about? Do you think that it's a, we're, we're in a kind of a sticky spot for these new projects because it used to be so easy to sell out. Now we're transitioning into this sharper market per se. People are starting to understand, hey, listen, I don't necessarily want to be a part of this team. What would you say to new projects that are on the precipice of launching and advice that you would give them to still being successful? I think that now more than ever, people are very careful with how they're wanting to spend their ETH. If you're not pricing your project perfectly, you're going to run into problems. There is a chance that you can charge, you know, between 0.1 to Point two, point three. You can attempt that. We've seen multiple projects do that, and I mean Ragnarok Meta, for example, is one recently that I, you know, had a relatively high uh, floor price, or sorry, mint price, 
And people were jazzed for it. I ended up picking up a few of them on secondary before the reveal, and I'm, <laughs> I have them listed already, not going to lie. But with, <laughs> with that being said, like you need to understand there's a difference between projects that have hype going into the Mint and then ones that don't. If you have hype going into a Mint, you can kind of be a little bit loose with the price, but for ones that don't really have a Mint, you have to entice people that aren't paying attention to your project. If you have something that's .08 or lower, I think because... Because we've been accustomed to such higher priced mints, people will at least take a look at what you're doing. And if they justify or think, hey, you know what, that's actually kind of valuable, then they're going to, you know, they're going to hop on board with you. The, the days of snap sellouts are over. Just think creatively. And, and if you have the right artist, you have the right vision, you have the right vibe, like my guy Vaughn says, that might be all you need uh, to be successful. Don't be discouraged. If you're a new project that is trying to launch, don't let the current state of the market discourage you from pursuing your dreams. That'd be my, my personal advice, but who am I? Vaughn, I want to ask you regarding the entire space, how scared are you? Where, where's your like panic level right now on a scale of 1 to 100? Mm-hmm. Panic level for NFTs. Woo! Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I think it depends on like how you look at it. I would say I would say like a 40 out of 100 where really? I'm okay. I'm very, very cognizant of what happened with the flash crash regarding yeah. the Terra Luna UST situation and how people are reacting to news. And it's a very emotional space. And. We've not seen insane innovation yet. We've seen the huge cultural relevance, but not necessarily the technological yet. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the future, but I really don't know how some of these medium to smaller tier projects are going to kind of hold up because it just feels that people are so unsure all of a sudden and if crypto does well, I think that obviously more and more people are going to get onboarded to NFTs. But if crypto doesn't do too strongly, I feel that for certain NFTs, people are going to kind of you know slowly wean their way out. If people have been in the space for the past year, they probably experienced it a lot. And again, emotions are at an all-time high for a lot of different individuals where I know many people are saying, I'm done with NFTs, period. They're staying in crypto, but they're done with that aspect. But I think, you know, if the right project comes along that speaks to them, they'll jump back in it. So it's a matter of time. I was really surprised. I posted something in the Discord on Tuesday afternoon. You guys can head over there and join the Discord. It's www.discord.gg backslash shot to the moon. Uh, spelled just like you're listening to the podcast right now with the number two. Posted something about people's panic level. Where Where's your panic? Are you just on a scale of one to one? Same exact question that I asked you. A lot of people within the shot to the moon community was saying like one or zero. I'm not going to call people a liar, right? Because like maybe maybe they genuinely don't give a flying fuck. They're not worried about it whatsoever. But you have to be a little bit concerned, not with the space. Like this is, I think, the best way to articulate this. Maybe you're not worried about the NFT space. You know that it's going to be here. Like Boomer said during the interview, this space isn't going to go mainstream for another four years. That's what he said on the show. If you believe that, then you're obviously still bullish on this as a collective whole. The thing that was concerning for me 
wasn't the space because we believe in it. It was more the public's reaction to what was happening within it. And I think you hit on that point really well earlier in this 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 show. You talked about the fact that everybody was panicking and it the conviction levels really started kind of showing through. And potentially some people that you might not have even thought were going to be having that FUD and that fear and uncertainty and doubt did. They, they showcased that. So it was eye-opening for me. I would probably put it a little, I wanted to say higher than where you put it, but you said 40, I'd say between 40 and 50 myself. I think that's, that's very reasonable. I, I feel like it's kind of crazy to say anything less than that, but maybe, maybe people just genuinely didn't care what people felt like and people weren't worried about the space and it is what it is. Uh, but you, you kind of had to take note of the fact that there were a lot of people. If you jumped on Twitter, I think in any capacity in the NFT space over the last seven days, you got a lot of toxicity, negativity, and it was pretty doom and gloom, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was <laughs> it, it was not the greatest, but we're still here. We're still vibing and we'll, we'll see how long everybody's vibing until, but still cautiously optimistic. Absolutely, baby. Yo, listen, there's still 50 percent of the glass that's half full. No matter what, we're here to stay. This this space isn't going anywhere. Um, and let, you know, let the ones with the paper hands get out now, because those with the diamond hands will will prove to be the strongest over time. Vaughn. Another show, another week, 47 episodes in. And man, that interview with Boomer was a triple double banger. Guys, we'll be back same time, same place next week. That's every Wednesday. Make sure that you bookmark it. Also, make sure to leave us that review like the guy that's about to talk is going to tell you to do. My name's Sean Pfeiffer. Good night, good skill, and most importantly, God bless. Did you enjoy today's show? Leave us a review for a chance to win a free NFT next week. Join us every Wednesday and make sure you're following us on all of our social media accounts at Shot to the Moon. More huge names in the space, more celebrities, more athletes, more giveaways, and more surprises coming soon. Everything you've listened to in this podcast is an opinion and not financial advice. Please invest responsibly. 